Welcome to Bucks Insider Live. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith here to get you guys ready with everything you need to know about the Buccaneers leading up to this 49ers game. Looking back at this win over the Saints, which is going to be a fun one to talk about. Uh, for now, let's start with some of the more recent news that has happened. So tell us about some of these roster moves this week. Well, I think probably the big one that you'd be alluding to is the, the waiver of Jalen Darden, your punt and kickoff returner also recently um, on Tuesday, which I guess came as a bit of a surprise. There were some uh, other moves as well. K.J. Britt was designated to return, so he could be activated in time for this game, and, and they have an open roster spot because of the waiver of Jalen Darden. A couple moves on the practice squad, let go of Dylan Cook and Ryan Smith, re-signed Nolan Turner, who had been on the active roster, and brought in a tackle named Grant Hermans. But Jalen Darden is probably the big news there. Um, Coach Bowles did confirm when asked that a part of the decision there, probably a big part of the decision was Jalen really just hadn't carved out any any role on offense. He hadn't played a single offensive snap in the last five games, and that made that roster spot kind of one-dimensional. So if you can get a kick returner out of one of your other players that's already rostered and doing something for you, then you kind of save a roster spot. Yeah. So. There's, yeah. there's a number of options, if you want me to talk right, about Right, so that. yeah, I was going to say, so now that we know that he's not going to be here, who are the, the different people that might be taking over that spot? Yeah, Coach said they were auditioning a number of guys, but that's kind of been an ongoing process. You don't cut Jalen Darden on Tuesday and then on Wednesday wake up and go, oh, I wonder yeah, who the well, kick returner yeah, is. So they clearly had a couple ideas and they're trying to make the final decision by the end of the week. He did throw out the names of Gio Bernard and Scotty Miller. If I were a guessing man, I would say Scotty more likely on punts because he's been doing that you know, ever since he's been here, he's been fielding punts in practice. He's just never gotten a shot in a game. They, I think they believe he's sure-handed, which is the number one thing for a punt returner. And then Geo's had some kickoff return history. He's a little bit bigger than Scotty. Probably makes more sense there. But he did say there were other, some other candidates. And if you look back at the preseason, there are a couple guys that got a shot that are on our practice squad, like Kalen Geiger and Devin Tompkins. You could conceivably elevate one of those two guys. Um, it would be kind of an unusual decision because if you elevated, say, Devin Tompkins, you're still using a roster spot on a guy that's just a kickoff return, which right. is kind of strange. Kind but, of the, right. But um, I, I, it's one of those guys probably. But it'll it'll be interesting to see who. And and you know Jalen Darden was doing a pretty reasonably good job. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I think you need somebody that's at least going to give you that same thing. Catch the ball well get about 10 yards per return. Okay, that makes sense. Well, let's go and start <coughs> by punts. Uh, punts. looking a little bit at the Saints win. Uh, some of the big takeaways for you. What what stands out after the uh, game that took years off of our lives? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the, um, the third downs were good, uh, especially, well, actually in the last two drives, there wasn't that much, but um, just the fact that the Bucks were able to come back from 10 points down, they punted the ball with seven minutes to go. There's probably some analytics guys who didn't like that idea, but it, 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 it worked it because worked the defense got several stops, thanks in part to Carl Nassib, who had a couple of big plays there. Um, and then you had Tom Brady. I mean, that's basically it. Yeah, Tom that's Brady. the moral of the story is having Tom Brady in the last couple minutes of a game is a pretty good idea. He um, just got locked in, you know? It's incredible. It's 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 just unbelievable how automatic we feel with him. At that, And that is not an easy two-minute offense, come from behind, game-winning drive. That is not a given. That is not an easy thing to no. do. But he makes it look yeah, like it is a given. We all, we all heard immediately the stat that he tie, broke his tie with Peyton Manning for most fourth-quarter comebacks ever. I think it's 44 now. But here's a different category. Most comeback wins when you're down by 10, which actually don't come along that often, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. You don't come back from 10 or more down that often. But Tom Brady has led his teams back 40 times. Nobody else has even done it 30 times this is among quarterbacks. So yet another incredible 
you know, notch in his belt. Yeah, and look at that list. I mean, good grief. Yeah. (laughs) It shows uh, what it's like. And I mean, it is true that to be that good and successful, but also to be down by that, to even be in the scenario, to be down by 10 in, in looking at his career, it's just incredible. And to know that the feeling that gives your team, that's what I feel like I heard so many of the guys talk about when Brady got yes, brought in. Right. There is no point where you feel like we're yeah, out of it. Yeah. And that is such an important step that it's not just a game-winning drive. It's being down by 10 or more and mm. knowing how many times he still brought a team back. Yeah. You will never get that feeling of we're out of it. And I think what that comeback does is it serves to highlight the fact that the defense actually, when you look at it as a big picture, had a pretty good night. Mm -hmm. They held them to 16 points, one touchdown early on and kind of a busted coverage, three drives into the red zone, and all of them were turned into field goals, five of 14 on third downs. There really wasn't a whole lot of pressure up front for most of the game, and yet the coverage was still holding strong. You were playing without your two starting safeties. Sean Murphy Bunting wasn't playing. There were... You know, there were a lot of issues, and yet the Buckner still only allowed 16 points, and that's what made it possible for Tom to make this incredible comeback. Yeah, I know the offensive line in particular was a big question going in, knowing that you were without Tristan Wirfs, you only had one lineman on your starting line from the, the Super Bowl team. And how did from you, last year. From, yeah, even from last year. And mm. knowing that the Saints have such an incredible front, Cam Jordan, you always see, I mean, no matter who you have on the line, the Saints have always been very tough to go against in that front. How did you feel like they held up? Pretty good. I mean, you know, Donovan Smith got the two holding calls and Coach Bowles said everybody knows that wasn't his best game ever. But we've also seen a lot of really good work from Donovan Smith. I think he's playing with a bit of an elbow injury and that's not helping. But, um, you know, I, I expect him to bounce back. Josh Wells filling in for Tristan Wirfs. You're not going to have another Tristan Wirfs. If you had another Tristan Wirfs, you'd probably trade him for two first round picks yeah. or something. <laughs> um, so he, he, he did a serviceable job there, and he has every time he's had to start through the last four years. And I think the guys in the interior did a pretty good job. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure. Tom only got sacked one time. Of course, some of that has to do with him getting rid of the ball quickly, as it has all year. But, you know, given the circumstances, they held up decently well. Yeah, and I think. Um, like you mentioned, just the defense, you can tell how much Todd Bowles trusts them when he is making those decisions to punt, and you see why. I mean, even when they're missing so many pieces, you can bring in a guy like Keanu Neal to make that huge hit on yes, right. Taysom Hill. On and now. Yeah, I mean, some really clutch things. And saying that Carl Nassib was not a starter, mm-hmm. you know, to, to begin this year, wasn't even on the roster to begin this year, that you just have a lot of depth there, a lot of guys that can come in and make some big plays. Um, what have you seen of just overall what this defense has meant, especially recently, in, yeah. in terms of what they've held other opponents to? Well, you mentioned a couple of key plays. I think there's the Keanu Neal yeah. one, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so that's a third down. If he can, if Taysom Hill holds onto that ball, the game is essentially over. Um, Carl Nassib had the tip to make him kick a field goal last time they got in 20-yard, inside the 20. Plays being made on third down that we were not getting. Mm-hmm. And really, remember, you can, everybody can remember, that was a big part of the story in the middle of the season. We couldn't get off the field on third down. Yeah. And not just third and short, but third and long. And in the last four games, it's been very steadily, it's been very steady. The Buccaneers defense has done very good on third downs, as you can see here. That That's a three-in-one stretch, and probably you feel like that Cleveland game got away. You could have easily been 4-0 in that stretch. And a lot of it has to do with the defense getting off the field, you know, and that's giving the offenses more, offense more shots, and that's, you know, leading to fewer scoring opportunities for the opposing team, obviously. So a huge change for, between the first eight games and the last four games. And it's not like 
it was two good performances and two two okay ones. It was four in a row, really, really good on third down, and uh, that's been the biggest change in what the Bucks defense has been able to do. Yeah, and that is so important to try to close out this season, which, as we know now, the Bucks are in first place uh, in the NFC South, and they are back to 500, and mm -hmm. still not the record that they would have wanted right. at this point. But uh, you know, all that matters is currently they're sitting in a playoff spot. That's right, so, yeah. um, tell us just about the NFC South. What we're going to need to be looking for the rest of the season, just where things mm -hmm. stand. Of how how close is it? How how much wiggle room is there? Yeah. You know what's going to happen moving forward. The Bucks forward. did get a little bit more wiggle room in Week 13 because, in addition to their victory, the Falcons lost what was a pretty close game against the Steelers. So it's a game and a half lead for the Bucks right now over the five and eight Falcons. The Falcons finally get their bye. It's the last. There's six teams on a bye this week. It's the last week any teams get any bye weeks, and uh, so that's why it's a game and a half lead because they've played one more game than we have. So at the end of this week, the Buccaneers will be either be up by two if they beat San Francisco or up by one game if they lose to San Francisco. And then after that, you see what each team has left. The Bucks have a pretty tough uh, draw in week 15 against Cincinnati and then uh, Arizona on Christmas night. Um, and then finish up with Carolina. Of course, the most important one there is the head-to-head -head against Atlanta. Whereas Atlanta, um, New Orleans, you know, division game, New Orleans beat them earlier in the year in a close one. Baltimore, depending on how tough that is, probably depends on if Lamar Jackson plays, and they also have to play Arizona. So it's kind of interesting that the Cardinals could have a lot of say in how this division shakes out at the end. But there you have it at the end. The Bucks have to go to Atlanta. Hopefully the division is clinched by then, but if not, that's going to be the biggest game of the year. Yeah, and I know that starting next week we'll be recording our Path to the Playoffs video that we do every year the last few weeks of the regular season where we talk about all the different scenarios, what to watch, and we were joking before this that it's basically going to get turned into Arizona watch. <laughs> or sorry, Atlanta. sorry, Atlanta watch. That it's just going to be, what are the Falcons doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And watching, it's just going to feel like this very head-to-head -head thing yeah. instead of, well, if this team does this, yeah. there's just a lot less scenarios that are going to end up mattering. And the reason for are. that is that the Bucks' chances of getting into the playoffs as a wild card team are very slim. First of all, they'd have to lose the division, which means Atlanta has to do really well. That has to happen first. Bucks would have to do a little bit worse than Atlanta, but somehow still pick up a couple games on all those those three wild card teams. It's just it's not going to happen. It's almost mathematically impossible. Right. So it's it's basically. Atlanta or the Bucks winning the fourth seed by winning the, the division, and then you'll have a home game against the fifth seed, which at the moment looks like it's probably going to be Dallas. Yep, it's interesting. So there's your way path to, to the playoffs right there. There you go. We are, we basically just rolled did it in. It. Yeah, just roll roll the graphic there. But um, <laughs> yeah, so and looking forward to this next week. I mean, of course. The way they're sitting now, they, they're going to talk about the fact that they control their own destiny. That yeah. that's what's important. Where they're at right now is that you win. You win. The, the you games, just have to win. You're you're in. We're good, and we don't have to talk about it. So what is that going to take this week at the 49ers? Even though it's easy to say, oh, they lost their starting quarterback, but they showed in last week's game that that did not keep them from still being a pretty dominant team to face. And we know particularly their defense so strong. What are the biggest <clears throat> things that you feel like are going to be difficult matchups on both sides of the ball for this week? You would like to think that the opportunity to face a seventh round draft pick making his first ever NFL start would give you a big edge, right? Yep. And obviously that's probably an easier task than facing the very experienced Jimmy Garoppolo. But this team is built so well around the quarterback that they can succeed as they did last week, as you pointed out, without a huge performance. He played pretty well, but even if he's just kind of average, they have the best defense in the NFL in terms of yards and points allowed. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa's the sack leader in the league. He had three last week. Fred Warner, Warner is, is probably the best linebacker in the league. They got Charvarius Ward uh, in offseason. It's just a strong defense at every level. And then on offense, they have all these versatile weapons. 
that they can put on the field at the same time. Debo Samuel, who goes into the backfield, is a wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk is a great route runner and very athletic. George Kittle, one of the best uh, yards after the catch tight ends in the league. They got Christian McCaffrey. We all know how versatile and successful he is. They can put all those guys on the field at the same time, and the Kyle Shanahan offense does a good job of scheming them into ways they're the best team in the league in getting yards after the catch. So the scheme gets them the ball with room to run. And the quarterback in Shanahan's office knows exactly what he's supposed to do on every play. And what Kyle Shanahan wants is a quarterback that does exactly what he's told to do. And a seventh-round rookie, how is he going to approach it? If he gets a chance to start, he's not going to go off script and right, go run yeah. around. He's going to go, okay, coach, you yep. want me to throw that there yes, now? Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. So it's a problem that they can overcome. Does it make it a lot harder for them to make it all the way to the Super Bowl? Yeah, probably so. But I don't think it means that they're a lot easier to beat this weekend. I agree. Unfortunately. Yeah, I completely agree. You got with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, it's like you don't you don't even need a quarterback practically. <laughs> Just there you Get go. Get the ball in their hands. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the yards after catch is so interesting. The tackling's gonna have to be so yes, sound. Good point. And that is something that um, we've seen some lapses in, in in recent games, but it hasn't been terrible, but it's definitely that's something Todd Bowles mm-hmm. has said they needed to improve on, and this is yeah. definitely a game that we'll test that. All right, well that's gonna do it for us on Bucks Insider Live. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.